Welcome to the Wealth Edit Podcast, a place where talking about finances is only polite. We talk to the women and hear the stories behind how they have built their beautiful lives, whether that be inside or outside the home. I'm Emily Lester, and on this show, Lauren and I interview Edwina Dunn, co-founder of StarCount and the Female Lead. Edwina discusses the journey of building StarCount, how that experience led to the formation of the Female Lead, and why she thinks it's so important for women to have a platform for sharing their stories. We are live. People are joining. So happy to have you. I know. Edwina, thank you so much for coming on the show. We're excited about interviewing you. I was pulling up my notes. I'm just, I told Lauren, I was so nervous about interviewing you. And we've actually always are super laid back about this, but we're just honored to have you. Oh, you're so kind. It's just a pleasure to meet you both. And I enjoyed our little preliminary chat. This is going to be fantastic. I'm really happy. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you. So good morning, everybody. Today we have Edwina Dunn on Wealth Edit Wednesday, and we are so very excited to have you. Edwina is one of the leading technology gurus in the world, really. You have created, you've made amazing strides in the big data world and interpreting um, all the data that the internet collects and telling stories from it. So I get that. This is the first time like building our own business. Like, you know, you're looking at the analytics and you're like, well, what do they mean? So I can't wait for you to share um, all the things that you have done with Dan Humby with that. And then also um, after Dunn Humby, you started the Female Lead, which is a nonprofit that focuses on women telling their stories. And I love the idea that women are telling their stories to give all the younger generations different role models to follow, other than are just what's being shown in pop culture. Love that. And now also we want to hear about your newest project with your daughter. So welcome. Yes. And we, and we know this is something that we do is this, that just hearing other women's stories. We, we think that women learn the best from each other, you know, in any, in any realm and anything that we do, we just are so good at sharing um, our ideas and thoughts with each other. And so anyway, we're very, very grateful for you to share your incredibly interesting story with us. And so thank you. And you're our first international speaker. So we'll yes. never forget it. No, we'll never forget it. So thank you. I'm so delighted to be here. And, and you know, you have to guide me. Otherwise, I talk about my favorite subjects forever. <laughs> so you have to stop me every now and again and say, next question. Okay. okay. We promise, but what, just start out telling us your story because it's such a good one. All right, well, um, gosh, where do I begin? I've lived many years, so my story can be quite long, but I'm gonna compress it. Um, So I met my husband on my first day of work. So I walked into this company that I was really excited to join and uh, he was there and I thought, oh, he's lovely. And um, I worked with him for a year. Um, It was a technology company, it was entrepreneurial. It was actually an American company. It was Californian Analysis Centers Incorporated. 
CACI for short. And uh, it was really all about technology for the US government. Um, but the part I worked in was really about understanding people, why they live, where they live. It was the idea of birds of a feather flock together. So we could classify neighborhoods by the type of people. So you know your community, this is your community. So, so we would classify that using big computers. And it was a very early manifestation of data science and data classification. So this is where I met my husband who was a computer scientist and mathematician. And we married a year later, um, but I then worked in this company with him for nine years. Um, it was very, very exciting, absolutely loved it. Um, but then we got stuck and the business wouldn't invest in what we believed to be the future, what was really exciting. So we were using this census data and we wanted to use customer data. It was the new version and was really exciting. They didn't want to invest. So to cut a long story short, my husband Clive uh, resigned and I thought, never mind, I'll pay the mortgage. You go off, decide what you want to do. I'll pay and don't you worry. And they fired me 10 minutes later. So it was really brutal and it was a very wide and first awakening of, you know, life's not always what you want it to be and business certainly isn't. So, um, you know, and they said we were going to compete. So it was, it was a really difficult time. We didn't even know what we were going to do, but we had to grow up fast. I was under 30 at the time and we said, okay, uh, well, let's start a business. And um, we hadn't had any ideas up until that point. So we quickly wrote a business plan and decided what do we know and what can we do? And that's what we did. And it took, you know, a bit of time. And then we approached some people we knew who had some money and said, do you believe in us? We have this idea. Can you give us some money? And amazingly, five of them actually said yes. Um, but they all wanted to own the company after three years. And we thought, mm, the first three years are usually the hardest. And then we found someone who said, I'll give you the money. Tell me what you think is fair in equity and let's move forward. So he was our first and only choice. And uh, luckily we ended up making money for him and he was happy. We were thrilled. And that was the beginning of the business. That was John Humby. Well, tell um, us about the business. Like what, because you were the front runner. You were the one who thought of it. And now yeah. it's every day. Well, you know, I, I found out quite quickly that my husband liked being the scientist and R&D and he didn't like clients and talking to people so much. And so he said, you be the boss and I'll do all the things that I like. So uh, that was it. And, you know, we didn't really have any idea that the business would grow. We spent five years working largely in the UK. Uh, you know, we had clients like BMW and cable and wireless and 
uh, I can't even remember the, the others. They're really shameful. Booker, Cash and Carrie. And then Tesco came along. And I don't know whether all you ladies out there know of Tesco, but they're really big in the UK. They're kind of like our Walmart or... Do you know Kroger? Is Kroger? Yeah. Okay, Kroger. And so Tesco became our, you know, fairy godmother in a, in a way. They said, we want you to help us. And um, that was the really, really exciting beginning because they had, they wanted this idea of starting a loyalty program, but the data was too big and computing at the time couldn't handle this massive database. And uh, we used some tricks of the trade, which were really statistics, which was some of the data, some of the time. And we were the only people who were going to be able to do this for them. So lucky us, lucky break. And suddenly there we were with the biggest retailer in the UK, second biggest at the time. And in three years, having launched this national program, they went from being a very poor number two to number one, taking the market lead, doubling their market share, doubling their market share in less than three years. And from that moment on, our future was signed. And very excitingly, quite a long time later, we came to America now. We didn't come to America and find a business. America found us, which was amazing. And so this little company called Kroger <laughs> knocked on our door and said, we've been trying to find a company to help us. We want to do a Tesco and we can't find one. So would you like to come to America and help us? Well, it was the best thing we ever did. And it was bigger and better even than Tesco. And so we became... Uh, a joint venture partner of the Kroger company and the rest is history. The business grew, it grew to over a billion dollars um, and we had 1500 people. We worked in 30 countries. It was very exciting, very exciting. Well, I, I love watching like the excitement in your face as you share your story and with Dunhumby and like, you know, building a business is, is, can be really, really fun um, and scary all at the same time. But one of the things we talked about in our pre-call was you were talking about like, and this is kind of what I see in your face as you're talking about in, in business, it's almost like, like that competition, like playing a game to see who can win. And I love that analogy for you. It's like, like making money was not like your number one goal, but you did want to win. You wanted to be the best at what you were doing. And I just love like seeing that excitement in your face because it's so fun for young entrepreneurs to, to get some of your energy. Oh, and please don't for one minute imagine it was all fun. It was no, really exactly. horrible. No, be reminded of it, right? Oh my God, we had some terrible moments and I remember one Christmas Eve where I thought everything had gone wrong and we'd lost the Kroger deal, the Kroger contract and I remember I was wrapping presents, crying on my bed thinking 
it's all gone horribly wrong. And my daughter, my little daughter at the time, coming up to me saying, we hate Kroger mummy, don't we? we? They're stinky, we really hate them. And you know, that's how I felt. I was just gutted. But you know, those are the lows and the highs. And when the highs come, I mean, I'm not an athlete and I've never been an athlete. I've never won a sport ever. And this is my this is my fun. This is what I can win at. And and I think we all need to find what we can win at. And it, they're all different. And and that's why I also love the female lead because every woman is different. Every woman has different strengths. And actually, it's finding your own and knowing what you can be good at. That is the journey that we all go on. And and actually, sometimes it's easier to give up than carry on. But yeah. if we don't carry on, we never find that thing that makes us come alive and be excited and think, you know, I did that. Well, so you've donated to schools 18,000 copies of The Female Lead, which is amazing. And why, in your opinion, is it so important for women to share their stories? Well, you know, the truth is that our voices don't get heard. Our stories don't get written. We get written out of the past. You know, once you start realizing that, you know, we were at some of the scientific breakthroughs, we were some of the first sportswomen to achieve you know, multiple gold medals, or, you know, we, we were great composers or something like that. Those stories don't get written. And I, you know, I have heard many women say, you know, people aren't interested in women's stories, that, that, that it's not, it, they're not as exciting. Well, I completely disagree. And, you know, when I was looking at the female lead, what I realized, is when we were studying customers and how they behaved, you know, what the stories that the data told us were far more interesting than any of the stories that people can make up. And so when I came to do the female lead, what I discovered is real people with real stories are far more interesting than fiction. Um, you know, it, it, you couldn't make it up, you couldn't make up the amazing journey that people go on. And I find it, you know, for me, it's been a source of great joy and pride to reveal some of those stories. And, you know, suddenly I find that, you know, talking to these women and hearing them and recording them, um, I've learned so many new things. And I'm a huge believer that we keep growing and we keep learning. And you said something right at the beginning, Lauren, which was, you know, we like to talk and share. And what I've discovered is that women have this amazing capacity to not feel shy about asking questions. And asking for help is a sign of strength, not weakness. Mm -hmm. And that's something that we've seen as a truth you know, daring to be different, daring to stand out for the crowd, um, you know, and, and, you know, helping others 
not feeling threatened by others, but actually giving people a helping hand. All of these things sound very gentle, following your passions, you know, being resilient and, you know, growing. All of these things are signs of strength. We're often portrayed as weak individuals. We're not, we're really strong. You're so right. And, you know, Edwina, that's what we're trying to do at the Wealth Edit. I mean, that is our goal is to get women to start sharing their stories around money because we see that women really do so well in a community setting where they're each sharing their stories. We, one thing, it's a great, like, very relaxed atmosphere in which to hear, like, what's going on in different people's lives with regard to money, which then bolsters our confidence. We get more comfortable with the lingo and the and the vocabulary and then you know we start leaning in and hearing and then sharing and hopefully you know we want our members to grow um, in their knowledge of finances just through that community setting rather than like a strict classroom setting and we want them to talk about money because we think that's just so important for women to rise you know not only in their personal lives but their business lives as well so what would you say, like, why would you think it would be so important for women to talk about money? Oh, gosh, that is such a big and important question. Um, you know, I grew up in a family where my father was an engineer and my mother didn't work. She was a housewife. She cooked. She sewed. She was very talented, very lovely beautiful lady and she had three children and she earned her keep of course but my mother had housekeeping and my father decided how much that was and this is still very very common throughout the world for the lucky ones you know who have the money and who who do have an allowance but the freedom that you feel when you understand and own some of the responsibilities around money cannot be underestimated. It's not a thing in itself. It's not why we do what we do, but it is empowering. It's empowering to understand it. It's empowering to make it. Um, and it's empowering to use it. And so, you know, I think it's really important. It reminds me um, of a lovely story. So I was lucky enough to work with Disney and do one of their red carpet events for, for one of the films. And Oprah Winfrey was there. And I got to sit next to Oprah Winfrey, which was just like a dream come true. And she was really amazing. But she told this really wonderful story, which was the reason I am rich today is because every person I ever met, every man who ever was my boss, underestimated me. Mm -hmm. and, and she said, good, yeah. because that's how I got so rich, because they never thought I would deliver. They never thought I'd get the audience that I got. Yeah. And I did it, and I did it bigger and better than they ever thought possible, and that's why. And I love that story because it's like being underestimated is our secret weapon. 
It really is. That is amazing. I know no one's even looking, you know, and we're just over here taking care of all the business. That's so much fun. Um, okay, so your daughter, you've raised a brave and interesting daughter who has, it, you're kind of passing, or y'all could come up together with the idea of Star Count, which is really how I found you. And I'd love for you to just share what y'all are doing with Star Count and how you raised such an amazing woman. Yes, um, for sure. Well, you know, once you love data and studying people, it's like a it's like a drug. You don't ever stop loving it. I shouldn't really talk about drugs like that, but I mean it in a nice way. Um, but you know, it, it's like a, a kind of excitement. And so, when we sold the business, we sold the business to Tesco back in two thousand and eleven. Um, you know, we, we stayed interested in data and we thought, you know, as computing gets more powerful, as data becomes more prolific, we could see that there was more and more interesting data. And so we'd gone from, you know, where you live, so you are where you live, to supermarket. You are what you eat or what you buy, which was the generation that propelled us forward. And then we became interested in social media. And social media is so phenomenally interesting because in social media, you all, we all signal what we love, what we love more than what even that we buy. So what do we stand for? What do we care about? What are we passionate about? So StarCount studies social media, which is all about what you love. And that we think is the future. So we're back in innovation mode. You know, my daughter was a phys studied physics, astrophysics, believe it or not, and decided instead of becoming an academic, much to the academics disgust, she would come into the commercial world. So she has become very passionate about this data and actually looking at how social media helps you study this idea of, you know, do people care about the environment more than they care about Nike? Mm -hmm. Do you say Nike or Nike? Well, Nike. 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 Okay. Um, so you can see that in the data. And if you can manage, I mean, you can imagine how big this data is. 1.3, 1.4 billion people doing something every minute of every day. It's huge. So analyzing that is great fun, really tricky. And this is her new business. So she is now leading a technology team. Um, she's not really super technical, but she's very numerate, very data literate, and she loves working with people on the solutions. So this is the new business. So it is all about what we think is the next stage of data science. Mm -hmm. It's all about looking at what people are going to do, not what they've already done. That is so interesting. And you know what I love is that she took this astrophysics degree and is using it in this entrepreneurial sense. Mm -hmm. And I know just, I have a daughter who's will be going to college soon. And you know, you don't hear many students that are like dreaming to be scientists. Just like you want them to hear this and realize like there, there's real world 
um, applications, it's not necessarily only that academic side. She's taking it and translating it into this newfound frontier of social media and collecting that data. That's, that's really interesting. Honestly, you know, if you can encourage your children to study mathematics or a science, the future is theirs. Because every subject now, you know, if you have some science or mathematical element, you're going to have an advantage over everyone else. And they are the best paid jobs, the fastest growing jobs, the most international jobs. So it's a real fast track to success. I often wonder why girls get kind of lost from the math track. I really do because, you know, we all start out kind of at the same point. And then, you know, even me, I, I pursued a journalism major and, you know, I scored higher on the math portion of our standardized tests. And it just is, I, I do, I'm so curious about that, but that's, a story for a different day. So tell us how you instilled this entrepreneurial spirit in your daughter. Because we need you know, to give her the credit, even though I'm sure she's amazing. I, we need to give her some, or, or give you some of the credit, even though I'm sure she's amazing on her end too. Well, I, you know, I think we don't, as mothers, we don't recognize the signals we're giving off all the time. And we are, we're so important to what we instill subliminally in our children. You know, when we're sitting around the, the dinner table, you know, or the supper table, or, you know, whenever we're having a conversation, what we talk about, the way we talk, our enthusiasm, when our energy lifts up, that goes in. And you know, what's amazing is you, you don't even know you're doing it. And most of the time, I mean, I have a son who is a little bit younger than my daughter. He actually studied maths. He looks so bored most of the time. <laughs> I think he's about to go to sleep. You know, he is so languid, you know, he kind of, he's very tall and he's just like this the whole time. He hears everything. And he remembers everything, but he looks like he couldn't care less. So I think what we talk about, what when we show we're enthusiastic or interested, I think it counts for a lot. And I think that goes in and it matters. And it, I think it almost matters more than what someone goes on to study. Mm -hmm. That's wonderful advice. And it's one that, you know, I have, and it kind of goes back to the whole thing about talking about money. But you know, what you talk around the dinner table about is ultimately what they feel comfortable discussing. You know, even if it's incrementally, you know, placed along the years, it does create like a confidence in them. And also it's like, I can do that, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's what I hope, I know Lauren and I both do this with our girls. We're all raising, we have five <laughs> girls between the two of us. So yeah, we, and we, we do, we want them to hear that. So thank you for that word, because that just encourages me to continue to push forward in that. And thinking what money can do is the really interesting bit. It, you know, it's not per se, but it's kind of what it enables you to do that is so magical. Mm -hmm. And I remember you said you wanted your children to love making money as more than they liked spending it. Yeah, that's a good, that was such that a was good a, thing you said. 
Honestly, I think it's so important. I mean, you know, there's nothing meaner than an entrepreneur. You know that, don't you? (laughs) They know the pain of making every penny. So if someone doesn't behave themselves when they're spending it, it's going to rip you apart. (laughs) That's the truth of it. So you want your children to know how hard it was to make that money and to respect it and to to play with it wisely because that is legacy right which is what we all think about and are concerned about which is what is our legacy what do you leave behind is it is it the respect or is it the joy of spending it or is it hopefully perhaps even greater the joy of making it That's amazing. Well, this is uh, this will be our last question, then we're going to open it up to questions because I know we're going to. If you have a couple minutes for questions, I know our our people have a few for you. But tell, okay, so I am so grateful that you came on this. But I truly, I just emailed you and you said yes. And I am always curious and so grateful why people say yes. So, do you mind just sharing why you said yes to this request to speak to us? You know, when you read something that is heartfelt and authentic, there's no mistaking it. And so many people don't take care when they contact you. It's kind of a, like a, a thing. And it, it's almost like it shows in how they speak to you. When you contacted me, I felt what you believed in. And I thought you showed real authenticity and also real professionalism in the way you set out what you were doing. So on that basis, I mean, you'd be surprised how rare that is. Well, we are so, so well done. Thank you you for coming on. All right. If you all will just use the chat feature and maybe type a question or two, if you have one, um, for Edwina and Edwina, thank you so much. It might take a second for for the chat. Sure. Are you going to ask them, or shall I look at the chat function? <laughs> we'll ask you. We'll ask you once they come in. It might take a second with the delay. Of course, of course. I know. Maybe we have a quiet bunch. Anybody? You can also take your microphone off mute if you want yeah. to. Yeah. Oh, here comes one. I have a question. <laughs> I can't type fast enough, apparently. (laughs) Thank you, Edwina, and thank you, ladies, so much for, I'm Brittany Garman, and um, this is just, this is very energizing, all of this chat. So, Edwina, if you're, if you don't mind, I would just like to verbally give you my question. (laughs) Please do. Yes. So my question for you, because I do have a startup, and we're in year two right now. I have a multifunctional nursing cover for working moms. And that can be worn as clothes or at the office or play dates, whatever. And so it's very exciting. But my kind of our next step and where we're looking forward is we are looking into possibly investment, seed capital and things like that. What advice do you have for approaching investors to make yourself shine? Because I know the statistics are staggeringly low for females going into this. I mean, men get 94% of investment capital. And I think a lot of there's, which is just awful. So kind of as a woman and obviously as a pioneer going after venture capital, what do you have to share about your experience with that process? Wow, yeah, that's a good one. Well, number one, you are working in a 
in a in an industry in it with an mm -hmm. application that is universally needed yeah you know um that's number one number two it is a service often bought and decided by women and you mm -hmm. are a female leader so actually as a female leader that is you you know with special um abilities in that mm -hmm. area because you know it you are perfectly suited to it and really i think it's about bringing out that personal brand of you and what you bring to it and writing a really good business plan mm -hmm. a really short but very very punchy business plan which is this is why i did it this is what the market wants and this is why i'm gonna do it mm -hmm. better than anyone else or as well as the best but my idea is that i can do it better faster cheaper it's mm -hmm. always better faster or cheaper okay it, awesome those are the magic three <laughs> words and better faster can, cheaper i'm writing that down right now <laughs> and if you can do that and you can sum it all up very very fast very easily then um you can communicate that to people and, and the shorter the better people have very short attention spans and they zone out after a while so if you can say it really fast then you will grab their attention excellent advice thank you pleasure <laughs> that's a really good word well if there's anyone else that wants to unmute their line um it, yeah, our friend, my friend Bibi, who's also on the call, she tells me that all the time. She says, Lauren, you're too wordy. You're too wordy. <laughs> and I am. I know I am. Yeah. I got to keep it tighter. So we're anyway. working on it. <laughs> Actually, Bibi has a question. Um, <laughs> yes. Do you, are there, whether men or women, are there other individuals that you have looked to as role models that we could start paying attention to? And then also uh, from a literature perspective, whether it's, a business book or a personal book, what, what do you find, uh, what would you recommend that we put on our reading list? Oh, what a lovely question. So the female lead, which I would really recommend to all of you, um, has both of those things on its site. So you can go there and there's a whole list of, you know, really fantastic positive female influencers who you can start following and we're also now developing a kind of how-to series as the female lead so so we're talking about how to you know how to embrace your imposter syndrome you know you know how to make it a virtue rather than a concern you know imposter syndrome have you have you talked about that have you you know because we all suffer we haven't yet, but we need to. But I listened to your podcast yeah. on that, and it was great. It was fantastic. Well, imposter syndrome, you know, th there's a lady called Rita Clifton who's just read, written a book on it, and she basically says it's a good thing, not a bad thing, because it keeps us sharp. And then, you know, there's how to build your confidence, how to be a leader, you know, how to be an entrepreneur. So we're doing a whole series of those and you know hopefully you know it's free advice you can take it or leave it 
but it's all there and it's all from women which I really love because they're really good at it and why not so um, yeah great question and you know absorb all those good things because you'll take out of it the part that you like and the part that you need or want and the rest is you know you can move on it's all there great Edwina, thank you so much for today and for answering questions and humoring our questions and taking a chance with us and saying yes to the request. So thank you. How can we, this is one last question, how can we support you or the star count, the female lead? What can we do to be encouraging as you have been to us? Honestly, I'm so tickled by having this great group of women in Alabama <laughs> and beyond and beyond and to be embraced by a heartland community is what the female lead is all about so I would love you to you know maybe share an article or two or write a blog for the female lead it would be really fun and we are a community of women who inspire each other and you have your own community, but if you share something with us, you will make us feel more like the international group we want and need to be. So I, I love that I feel so connected with you and I've really enjoyed meeting you and talking with you and stay talking to us. That would be fantastic. And we will share your stories. Well, thank you. We would, we're so grateful and thank you for everyone that dialed in this morning. We're getting all these comments saying that you've made our day, which is just starting over here in America. So thank you so much. And we'll, um, we'll talk to you soon. So thank, thank you. you. Bye. Bye everyone. Thank you. Bye. We hope you enjoyed our podcast today. If you want to learn more about our website, please check us out at www.wealthedit.com. The Wealth Edit is an online membership-based community for women looking to confidently discuss and expand their knowledge of personal finance. Our community provides a space for women of all ages to gather, learn, and plan their financial journey through virtual courses, weekly guest speakers, and educational content.